On this episode of Five Things, we're going to take a deep dive on the various ways to edit remotely with Adobe Premiere Pro. When you, your team, plus your computers and media just can't be at the same place at the same time. Let's get started. Hello and welcome nerds to the triumphant return episode of Five Things, a web series dedicated to answering the five burning tech questions that you have about technologies and workflows in the media and technology realm, plus tech stuff I dig and of course, how it's used. I'm still your host, Michael Thomas. Yeah, it's been a minute. We've got new digs, we've got new looks, and I'm grateful that you've come back. If these past few years have taught us anything about post-production, it's that working remotely is not only totally possible, but many folks prefer working that way. I prefer to work on a project by myself. Do you realize that I work at home? Why didn't you just go home? That's your home! Are you too good for your home? And during that time, we've all come up with our own strategies and workflows when using Adobe Premiere Pro. But what solution is right for you and your team? That's what we'll dive into today. Team projects in Premiere Pro, as well as After Effects, have been around for quite a while. And guess what? It's free. Team Projects is Adobe's solution for creatives who each have their own local edit system, either at home or at the office, and a local copy of the media attached to that editing machine. Meaning, no one on your team is accessing any shared storage. Everyone accesses a Premiere Pro team project which Creative Cloud is managing via the Teams Projects database. Of course, this workflow does require strict discipline, organizing media very carefully and utilizing standard naming conventions. Ow! Stop hitting me with knowledge! Once you're in the groove, Teams Projects is very easy to use. Now let's take a quick look so you can see how the flow goes. You can start the process when you have Premiere Pro open. First, you want to give the team project a name, and then you're going to want to add team members as collaborators with their email addresses. They'll get a desktop notification through Creative Cloud that they've been added to the team project. Be sure to check your scratch disks on the third tab correctly, as every team project editor will be saving their files to their own local storage and thus in different locations. Let's fast forward till we have an edit that we want to share. In your team project panel, you'll see a cute little arrow at the bottom of the panel that tells you to share your changes to the team project. Now, don't worry if you forget. If you look at the sequence name tab, you'll see an arrow. That's a reminder to share and upload your changes. Click the Share My Changes button, and you'll see all the stuff you'll be sharing with your team members. Add a comment if you want to summarize what you did. Click Share. Premiere Pro will then upload your changes to the team's Creative Cloud account. Your team members will then open the team projects that they've been invited to through the Creative Cloud desktop app. Now, don't worry. If any media files are marked offline in Premiere, team members can either relink to that media if they have it locally, or you can download those files from within Premiere Pro via the media management option in Premiere. As you can see, this is where the aforementioned media management and organization really come into play, or else you'll be relinking all day, every day. Now, this is just the project sequences and media. What about review and approve with your team? With the Adobe acquisition of Frame.io last year, Teams Projects now adds review and approval capability inside Teams Projects inside Premiere. 
Now, despite the fact Teams Projects has been around for a while, it's still an excellent solution that is already a part of your Adobe Creative Cloud subscription. So there's no extra cost to test it out. Adobe Productions is the evolution of the shared projects feature that Adobe rolled out in 2017, and it differs significantly from Adobe's Team Projects. While the workflow with Team Projects expects each user to have their own local workstation and their own local copies of media, Productions operates assuming that everyone on your team is already connected to the same shared storage. This would be akin to having all of your creatives in the same building and all of them mounting the same SAN or NAS volumes to their bone machine. Because everyone can access the same media at the same time, there is no need to copy media back and forth from your local drive to the shared drive. It saves a ton of time. The trick to make this work is to have a software traffic cop working in the background and watching over every user opening what Adobe calls a production. A production is essentially a souped-up Premiere Pro project file that points to several smaller project files. The smaller project files are what each editor works with, and all changes are saved to these smaller projects within the primary production. The software traffic cop in Premiere allows users to work on a project within the production and locking or unlocking the project when needed to prevent overwrites or corruption of the files. We start with a new production within Premiere Pro. We set a folder, and thus any projects put within this production folder will be part of the production. This is stored on the single shared storage volume that everyone is using and with the same media repository that everyone is reading and writing to and from. Now, when you load up the project within the production, you might notice the layout looks a little bit odd. Let me demystify that for you. The production panel in Premiere looks a lot like your folder structure at the desktop level. So unlike Teams, where we can have the media organization on disk, which can be different than the media organization within your project, Productions more closely resembles the what you see is what you get method when you organize at the OS level. We only have time for a few features here, but those who have worked in other collaborative editorial softwares will recognize some of the features of Productions, such as a green and red icon, which tells you at a glance if the product is not in use, and thus you can edit the project or not. If this organization sounds familiar, it is. While Productions was a huge new feature for Adobe, this workflow was popularized prior by Avid and their Media Composer software connected to their proprietary and sometimes third-party shared storage. You'll also notice that an Adobe Production is much like an Avid project file, in that an Adobe Production links to Adobe project files in very much the same way an Avid project links to Avid bins. The future, my friends, is here, and Adobe has embraced it for many years now. Premiere Pro as a standalone editor, as well as when used as part of a productions workflow, works exceptionally well in the cloud. I don't know what the cloud is! The fucking cloud happened when I was in prison, okay? Everybody talks about this fucking cloud. They might as well be talking about neuropsychology or fucking cricket or Blackpink songs. When deployed properly, all of your Windows workstations running Premiere Pro in the cloud connect to a pool of shared storage, which is also in the cloud. As every editor has access to the same shared storage and at the same time, the experience mimics that of an on-premises productions workflow that we talked about a few short minutes ago. Now you have the option of selecting and configuring your cloud workstations and appropriate cloud shared storage, 
plus third-party collaboration tools for your cloud editing fortress. Or you can use one of the several companies that have already built that fortress, so all you have to do is move your stuff in. If you're rolling your own cloud deployment, we have Adobe's guide on creative cloud deployment on virtual desktop infrastructures. These guides fill out the requirements and best practices for deploying on AWS, Azure, and GCP platforms. Close attention should be paid to Adobe's notes talking about what types of machines to use, what types or tiers of cloud storage to use, what screen sharing protocols you should be trying out, and what workflows simply aren't ready for prime time for most of us, like high-fidelity color grading or surround sound audio. These guides provided by Adobe aren't meant as a cookbook, but rather as bullet points for you cloud folks to get busy. For all-in-one solutions, I can't recommend Bebop technology highly enough. They are by far the most advanced and mature platform for using Adobe in the cloud. They've got fast shared storage, enterprise security, plus on-demand live and review and approval tools. All you do is bring your software licenses and Bebop does the rest. Plus, you pay the actual cloud costs, not marked up costs by some third party. As someone who chose to work for Bebop for nearly four years because of just how far ahead they were than anyone else, I can't recommend them more. Other popular solutions include AWS's Nimble Studio, albeit with some caveats on availability and features around the world, and that you're pretty much left on your own to administer it. AWS also has their Workspaces solution, but the Workspaces feature set really isn't robust enough for post-production. A slew of other companies have popped up who simply tie into the APIs of various clouds and then present you a web front end so you can easily spin up and spin down machines. These are normally for VFX rendering or single user usage rather than real-time collaboration with shared storage and teams of users all in the cloud. This next part is very important. I need you to accept the truth that doing anything in the cloud will have fluctuations in cost from month to month. Accept it. <laughs> Working entirely in the cloud is not an all-you-can-eat for one price. The cloud is pay-as-you-go, and every workstation hour, server hour, and every megabyte stored or downloaded costs money. Expect several hundred dollars per editor in total cloud costs per month, even before your software costs. It is, however, cheaper than renting a local edit and storage rig. I'm sure many of you have gotten into the groove of remoting into a system. That is, working from home in front of a terminal or workstation and connecting to an editing machine back at the office. This is often the first things facilities try when going remote, because your team could use the same editing computers in storage that they've always used. And it can work well if your home network and the office infrastructure are robust enough. This normally involves the facility creating a VPN or virtual private network on the company's firewall. So editors outside the four walls of the facility can reach their machines behind the firewall. It also means the firewall will need to have specific ports opened. So screen sharing protocols can do their screen sharing thing. One of the most popular screen sharing solutions that Adobe, Avid, and others support is Teradici's PC over IP or newer PC over IP Ultra. And Teradici is now owned by HP. Great quality, killer security, and dead simple for the end user. Parsec, now owned by Unity, is another flexible solution with a ton of user controls. I suggest staying away from screen sharing protocols that are meant for IT type usage like TeamViewer, Apple or Microsoft Remote Desktop, and VNC, just to name a few. 
True, they're inexpensive, but they're not optimized for synced audio and video, color fidelity, or full frame rates. Now, we have to briefly talk about the laws of physics. In physics, well, we, we, uh, we talk about physics, uh, properties of physics. So it's sort of social, demented and sad, but social, right? Due to the laws of physics, you can't be on the other side of the planet from your remote editing machine and expect to have a pleasurable editing experience. With few exceptions, you gotta be on the same continent and within about 1,500 miles of the workstation just to keep your editing sanity. Now, for you ping nerds out there, you ideally want to be under 60 or 70 milliseconds round trip. And of course, the lower the ping number, the more likely you are to have a pleasurable editing experience. As is the case with most so-called standard workflows, there's always going to be hybrids. Hybrid methodologies address unique remote and technology scenarios. They may also address other gaps at the facility at the same time, or simply make your workflows even more flexible. And while I can't cover every single permutation, here are a few to be on the lookout for. If you want to learn, you got to listen. My first hybrid tool is LucidLink. LucidLink is cloud storage that understands the difference between the metadata of media and the media itself, coupled with smart caching. Using that approach, LucidLink can grab the media Premiere Pro needs, but only grab that one frame of media that's being requested. This means you don't have to download the entire file in order to edit with it. Plus, that file caches on your system and it'll be played immediately when Premiere Pro needs it instead of it going back to the cloud. It's awesome. LucidLink can work with on-premise edit machines or with cloud VMs, making it a great add-on for increased flexibility. Next, we have PostLab, which is part of Hedge software. PostLab gives Premiere Pro editors the ability to sync project files, tasks, bookmarks, and media stored in PostLab Drive to editors anywhere in the world using PostLab's cloud servers. PostLab also locks Premiere Pro projects when they're in use by another team member, so nothing gets corrupted, overwritten, or lost. Moving up the food chain, asset management could be a solution for you and your team. Everyone struggles with how to organize, catalog, search, and retrieve their media. Well, what if you had an asset management system that could handle those chores and stream proxies from your cloud storage at the office or in the cloud to your local computer running Premiere Pro at the same time? It's much like Adobe's former enterprise solution, Adobe Anywhere, which, as luck would have it, was the first ever Five Things episode all the way back in 2014. IPV's Curator product has this feature as an add-on to their asset management system, as does Arvado Bertelsmann's EditMate product. Both are enterprise, and both are meant for much more than just remote editing. I'm sure you have some input on one or even more of these five things. If so, let me know in the comments section. Also, please subscribe and share this tech goodness with the rest of your techie friends. Five Things is also available as a podcast, so search for it on your podcast platform du jour. Look for the red logo. Thanks for coming back. I've missed you all. And until the next episode, learn more, do more. Thanks for watching.